My word, we've been waiting a long time for this. This is my review of Jarvis Cocker's new band and the album that's finally come out on Friday. Of course, record company hacks and music magazines have been salivating about this for ages. In fact, we've had reviews of what the music is for quite some time. So we've been waiting and waiting, and I know we're in a coronavirus situation, but finally, it's here. And I think we are generally interested in certain areas of the music listening populace to hear what Jarvis is doing now. Because he's a bit of a renaissance man, is Jarvis. You know, he didn't turn his back on music, but he didn't do an enormous amount of music, bits and bobs. And he does other things. He presents a radio show, curates for festivals. He writes, and he's interested. He's interested in things. He's interested in art. He quotes psychology and philosophers. He's a more interesting person than an awful lot of other music artists who conform to the business. Pulp never did that, really. They came up the hard way. You know, if it wasn't for the social security system at the time, there probably wouldn't have been a Pulp. And, of course, they also link to the working class in some way. And it's that discussion we're having about the working class. Can musicians be working class? Are they just middle class because they are working class what if they're not politically agitprop are they working class then all these things feed into the bag of mystery that Jarvis Cocker is and he wears that lightly he's an engaging listen he's a great songwriter he has a wonderful turn of phrase he hasn't lost his excellent accent his northern accent he seems authentic if we want to put that in inverted commas. And so he's close to being something that I think he would hate, a national treasure. I don't think he's a national treasure. And I think he's still engaging and I think he's still sparky and I think he's still producing great music. And this album is an example of that. Because what the band and Jarvis, and I have to say, that if you've got a band together, and Jarvis Cocker has been interviewed, of course he has, with other band members though, saying this is very much a band, please don't call your band Jarv Is. Don't call it that. I understand why you might want to be able to get a foot in the door to do that. But really, it does seem to create a certain feeling. That aside, the music is something a bit special here. It feels like it grows out of musical exploration, if not jams. It feels like it grows, it unfolds. Stuff is dropped in. Stuff that you wouldn't expect to work at all. Things that are mashed together, but not in a cut and shut way. Because of the openness of their view, the band's view of music, this really works. So what style is it? Well, we could be talking about that for some time, but what it really touches, I think, is a kind of jazz fusion, a 70s jazz fusion. And if it is, it's on the outer reaches of that. It's around the Sun Ra feel of that, 
or certainly touches some of the um, very London-centric new jazz groups around at the moment. So let's start with the first track. The one that we come to first. It's Save the Whale. And what it does have, and Jarvis it likes doing this, it has that kind of Isaac Hayes, long and lazy rap feel to it. I just want to talk to you. I just want to sit down and tell you how it is. Jarvis loves doing that. But as well as that, it also has um, a, a kind of, or it develops into a kind of, I think, Dario Argento soundtrack feel to it. It has an unsettling feel to it around the old style drum machine and a sort of skittish string feeling as well. It's something that doesn't say, uh, here's a, we're going to kick the doors down and tell you we've arrived. It's insidious and it just moves in. It has a sinuous quality to it too, which moves very quickly onto the track we've heard before. It's been out in advance of the album, Must I Evolve? Quite a lot of the songs here have questions to them. Do I have to? Must I? Am I, am I missing something? There's another track here. These are, these are unanswered questions that are left hanging in the air, and that's very important. This question, Must I Evolve, has a musical theatre feel to it. It has a dramatic feel to it. It has a feel that, really, if you're uh, inverted commas hip and inverted commas trendy, then you shouldn't be doing. It has a, a whiff of cheese about it. It unpacks itself generally around that. And that's among squiggling synths and that Sun Ra feel as well. When it really unpacks itself, when it really resolves into a style of music, we've got a really fried desert type roll to this, a really wide screen feel to it. But what they also do is they don't just say, I'm going to give you, I think it's seven songs here. And all of them are going to have loads of things in it. I'm going to lob a kitchen sink in there as well. See if you can pick the bones out of that. There is light and shade in this album because it's very, very good to hear house music all night long, which we've also experienced before ahead of the album because that is refreshingly simple indie rock only. And that's a palate cleanser for some of the other music around. I mean, there are missteps here. We've got another Jarvis Cocker monologue with associated sounds in there, but mainly this is about him talking to us. Let me sit down and speak to you. And sometimes I feel that's worthwhile and sometimes I feel that's just a ramble. And on swanky modes, I feel the latter is the case. But that's not a massive issue because it's always good to spend time with him and hear him speak. It's just that really, I would like a bit more activity. But you do get that on the closing song, which is another piece of work that has so many elements. You've got sweet melodies of a kind of mamas and papas type. You've got a very sparse 70s funk feel with a spiritual leaning around a sort of Lonnie Liston Smith feel. 
Now, if you don't know who he is, I'd advise you to go and check that out because his music is extraordinary. And you've also got a kind of bleepy fusion feel in the back there. This is Children of the Echo. This is the way to take us home. And it really is something that, that unfolds that has a vibe to it, an easy, open vibe to it. But not just that, they also give us a little bit of FM smoothness too. The aforementioned, am I missing something, has an almost Fleetwood Mac feel musically. Then they stop doing that and throw in a child's toy piano solo which of course shouldn't work, but really does here, because you can do whatever you want. They can do whatever they like and present that to us. Of course, in the end, what it also becomes is an area, an Eo Morricone type feel. That's how extraordinary that is. Never during this album do I feel that there are lots of bits that are tacked on. Bits that have been work through in a, in, a, in a kind of um, in a patchwork way we're not using any kind of found writing here, we're not doing any of that this feels like a way that the music developed but it's about being accessible to that music, it's about saying what's going to come out now we all have certain um, influences and that will come out in a certain way and let's not say that's not what we want or that's not good enough or we can't do this they have they seem at ease with the music they're performing with the music that's come out here and that's absolutely right so is this album a killer? no it's interesting it snakes around It caresses you and then slaps you around the face. It's an interesting exploration of music. And it works in that way. And you know what? If we're thinking about Jarvis Cocker and the way his career has gone and will go, did we really want anything else? The Jarvis album is four and a half out of five rambling points. Thanks, Jarvis. Looking forward to the next. Ta-ta.